chapter 2. We would have had this the Sunday before Christmas, but of course things changed. But I said, you know what, we'll, we'll look at this passage even now, since it would have been sometime after the birth of Jesus for the wise men actually got there. I said, it, perhaps it's fitting that after we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that sometime after we talk about the wise men. Matthew chapter 2. Let's pray. We'll get started. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for your word. It's good, dear Lord, and uh, God, I pray that you help us to get something from it. God, I pray that you help us to not just look at it on Sundays and Wednesdays, but God, at least for me, that I do a better job of, of reading your word more, dear Lord. That's where our strength comes from. That's where your promises come from, your truth, dear Lord. So I pray that tonight and every day of our life that we live by the truth of your word, and I pray that your Holy Spirit, God, would just help us to see something in your word tonight that we need to see. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, Wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born, has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and have come to worship him. Now we don't know how long after Jesus was born that the wise men came. Maybe it was a relatively short amount of time. It, it could have been a few years, a couple of years at least, before the wise men came onto the scene. It's really irrelevant, not, not that important to know when they came. The fact of the matter is that they came. Now, why when they saw the star, they took this as a symbol of the Messiah, why these wise men from the east were even looking for the Messiah is a question that we don't really know the answer to. But there was something about this star that they saw when they saw the light as it was. There was something that they were looking for, and when they caught a glimpse of what they perceived and what, in fact, was the Messiah who was to come, they went to look for that Messiah. And for what purpose? It was to worship the Messiah who had come. Now, when we look at our world today, we're not seeing the birth of Jesus. He's already come. We're not seeing a star in the sky that, that shows us where Jesus is born, but but yet in many ways, God's word goes throughout the world and the Holy Spirit works among people. And, and for whatever reason, God puts things in their path that point them toward Jesus. And maybe some of them don't even know that they're looking for Jesus. They know that they're looking for something better maybe than what's in the world. And maybe they, maybe they know of the word of God or maybe they don't. But, but God provides a light to us through Jesus and through the things that we see in the world and the way that the Lord works. And, and what is the response of people in our world? What is our response? When we see about the king, whatever knowledge we have that we've come to, 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 to glean from the pages of Scripture or from other men or women of God who has shared that in our life or in the life of others, when we see that the Messiah has come, what do we do? Well, hopefully we come to worship the Messiah. That's really what it's about. It's about serving Jesus. It's about worshiping Jesus. It's about living for Jesus because, in fact, Jesus lived and died for us. He came for us, and 
What more can we do than come to him? And that's exactly what the wise men did. For whatever reason, they, they were looking for the Messiah. And when the Messiah came, they said, we must go to where he is. And they came to worship him with a, with a good heart, no doubt, as we see from the text. Verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Now, it, it seems pretty clear why Herod would be disturbed because if the new king was born, well, this would be a problem for the old king who happened to be Herod. And so when Herod heard that the Messiah, that the new king of the Jews had been born, he was deeply disturbed. And it said, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, sometimes we see all used and, and all may not necessarily mean all. Now, we know that there were certainly some who were looking for the Messiah to come. And so it seems clear that not everybody would have been disturbed. But, but I think the language that Matthew is using here is trying to say, hey, a lot of people weren't happy about the new king that was coming. A couple of examples that we see as we read through the story uh, is that of Simeon and Anna, who were both looking forward to this king who was coming. And so while there were certainly some in Jerusalem and, and in the surrounding area that were looking for the Messiah, there were many that were looking for the Messiah and didn't want the Messiah once he come. This was clear from his birth. And once Jesus began his ministry, there were constantly at least some and maybe quite a few who did not want the Messiah to come. They did not want to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. Now, the wise men did. That just whatever glimpse that they thought, hey, this may be the Messiah, they were, they were looking so, so closely and intently uh, ready for the Messiah that the least little thing that they saw, they said, hey, this is the Messiah. We've got to go look for him. And they came to worship him, but Herod had the opposite uh, opposite response. He he heard about the Messiah, and he didn't rejoice. He should have rejoiced with the wise man. Everybody should have rejoiced and said, finally, God's king, God's Messiah that he told us about has come. But that was not what was taking place. So the king asked, hey, where is the Messiah to be born? And they tell him from Micah, uh, a passage that talked about Bethlehem. In verse 5, Bethlehem uh, of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, you got to imagine that, that the king uh, may have caught wind of perhaps where Jesus was born, or maybe he didn't know. Maybe he was just asking, okay, if this is where the Messiah is supposed to be, I need to know this information. But then in the next verse, we see verse 7. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them exactly uh, the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. Now, both of these characters, the, the main characters that we've seen here, the wise men and Herod, they both said the same thing. The wise men said, we want to go worship the king. Herod said, I want to go worship the king. One of them had a right heart. The, the wise men really did want to seek Jesus, but Herod did not really want to seek Jesus. Even, 
even if, if, if he knew he was the Messiah, and it seems as though perhaps he must have thought he was as we see the story unfold and he wanted to get rid of Jesus. He didn't want the Messiah to come. And even though he knew about Jesus, he didn't really have any desire to worship Jesus. He said the right words. He went through the right motions. Hey, well, I'm going to send you where the Messiah is supposed to be in Bethlehem. You need to go and look for him and you need to find him so I too can worship him. And perhaps even among us in this room or in our church or in our world today, there are some who genuinely want to seek the Messiah, but maybe there are others that even though they know Jesus is the Messiah, they say, oh yeah, I'm going to worship Jesus. I want to worship Jesus. And as the scripture says, though they honor me with their lips, their hearts are far from me. And that appears to be the case here for Herod. He said the right thing. I want to worship Jesus. But in reality, he didn't. In reality, he just wanted to live for himself. And he didn't want to worry about the Messiah who was coming. And we have to make sure that we don't fall into such a trap that we honor God with our lips, but our hearts are far from him. That we only care about our desires and not King Jesus coming into our life to rule. That was really the problem. He didn't want King Jesus to come because he wanted to rule his own people in his own life. And sometimes we are the same. We're not the king of the Jewish people as Herod was, but perhaps we are the same way sometimes. Because if we allow King Jesus to rule our life, then guess what? We are not ruling our life. But that's what Christianity is, is that we say, all right, Lord, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for you. And I think that that's probably a daily struggle because we always want to live for ourselves and do things our way. But when we submit to Christ, we have to say, okay, everything I'm going to do is going to be for you with you in mind, Lord Jesus. And perhaps sometimes we fail at that and we, we say, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it my way. I don't want King Jesus to rule my life because I want to do what I want to do. And that's what King Herod was doing here in some sense. And perhaps you and I, if we are honest from time to time. <clears throat> Verse 9. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with his mother, with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, you can see the response of the wise men that their heart was right. They weren't just offering lip service. They were seeking Jesus, and when they found Jesus, they did what we are supposed to do. We are to fall down before Jesus. We are to recognize Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Son of God. And they came and they were filled with joy when the star brought them to the place where the Savior of the world was laying. And wise men here seek the king. And so it is for us today. Uh, those who are wise today seek Jesus. Those who are foolish live for the world and the things of the world. I would say that even for Christians sometimes, even if we in our heart, really seek Jesus and desire Jesus, there are probably times that we too are foolish in the ways of the world. But wise men and women seek the king, and that's what these wise men did here. They 
were seeking Jesus, and when they found Jesus, they treated Jesus in the way that he should be treated. They fell before him, and they began to praise him. And what else did they do? It says that they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, these, no doubt, were gifts that were fitting for a king. Even though he was a baby, they acknowledged that he was a king, or a small child, I should say. And in Matthew's account here, he does refer to Jesus as a child, which which is some, some uh, perhaps, uh, support that Jesus may have been older at this time. But regardless of the age of Jesus at this point, they brought Jesus a gift that was fit for a king. But what about us? What is what is a gift that we could offer Jesus? I mean, ultimately, Jesus doesn't care about gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, Jesus is, 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 is over everything. Everything is his. It is for him through him that everything exists. And so Jesus really doesn't care about gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, we could give such gifts to the Lord. Uh, but what would the Lord desire more than those things? Well, I believe that, of course, the greatest gift that God gives us is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now, you talk about a good gift giver. You know, sometimes you think at Christmas, that person is a great gift giver. That's the perfect gift. But when we think about Jesus giving his life on a cross, literally that is the perfect gift. It's a gift that leads to eternal life because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so God has given us through Jesus the greatest gift that we could ever hope for. But what gift could we give Jesus in return that's far better than gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Well, there's only one gift, I believe, that we can give Jesus, and that is that is ourselves. That is what Jesus died for. He, he gave his life for us in hopes that we would give our life to him. That's what Jesus wants from us. And so the question is, have we done that tonight? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? That's what he really desires. That's what he really wants. And, and, and what a joy it is for us to know that Jesus has given his life for us. And I believe what a joy it is for God, what a joy it is for Jesus when we give our life to him. The greatest, one of the greatest joys at, at Christmas time, apart from remembering Jesus's birth, of course, is we get presents, especially when we're younger. Uh, we can probably all remember when we were younger and there was a certain gift that we, that we wanted that we didn't get. Now that's really disappointing. Were, I, remember, I remember a couple of years, I wanted the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle turtle van. I wanted that thing so bad, and it was only 20 bucks, and I never got it. I don't know why I never got the turtle van, but there was this disappointment when I would open that present, when I would open presents, and there would not be a turtle van under that tree. <laughs> but then on the flip side, there were other years that there were gifts that I asked for that I really wanted. I remember one year, I asked for the game Double Dragon for Nintendo. And I remember getting up early in the, in the middle of the night and going in there and feeling around the couch trying to find what I thought was the shape of a Nintendo box and getting it off the couch. And I didn't want to turn the lights on and wake everybody. And I went over to the moonlight of the window and there I could see Double Dragon. And so the years that I didn't get what I wanted, there was great disappointment. But when I did get 
the greatest gifts that I wanted, there was great joy. I suspect that on a much more significant level that that's probably how it is for us and our relationship with the Lord. The greatest gift that we have ever received is Jesus Christ, and that brings great joy to our life. And I believe that probably the greatest gift that we can give to the Lord is our life, that we choose to follow it. I believe God is probably sad and disappointed when people leave this world and they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But there is great rejoicing in heaven when we say, Lord, you have given your life for me and I'm giving my life to you. And what beautiful gifts that these wise men gave to Jesus, but the greatest gift that Jesus wants is us. Let us be wise men and women in our life today that we are those who seek Jesus, that we are those who come to worship him, not just with words from our mouth, but with our actions, and that we too fall down before Jesus and serve him just as these wise men did. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and thank you for these words. And there's a lot in this passage for me to think about, dear Lord, and I pray that you would help me to, to be a wiser man than I am, dear Lord. There's too much foolishness in my life if I'm if I'm honest, God, I pray that you would help me to learn from these men, dear Lord. Help us to be faithful to all learn from these men and to not just say the right things, dear Lord, but to, but to live a life that's pleasing to you. God, I pray that if there's one in this room that has not given their life to Jesus, that maybe tonight the Holy Spirit, even now, is convicting them, God. Dear Lord, maybe we all have given our life to you. And I pray, God, that we would never take for granted what Jesus has done for us. God, in the midst of our hard days and our tough times, I pray that we find great joy in Jesus Christ and the eternal life that we have through him. God, I pray that you'd help us to remember these words when we leave this place, that maybe there's something in here we heard. God, that you'll use in our life tomorrow and this week. God, I pray that you help us to finish out 2022. Dear Lord, it's been, a, it's been a tough year for our community, a lot of folks in our church. And God, I pray that after this season of, of, of tough times, that God, maybe you just give us a season of, of rest and restoration here in our church and our community, that you would help 2023 to be a good year, that you'd take care of us, and God, use us in, in good ways to serve you and your kingdom. But God, whatever comes, good days or bad days, give us the strength to get through them. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.